Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue Welcome to Revolution Recap, I'm Sean Donahue Joined today in the studio by Joyce Furrier, photographer for Soccer New England um, very interesting week this past week for the Revolution, uh, winning against the New York Red Bulls to advance to the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, interesting week overall in the MLS as far as the results going with uh, the two top seeds, D.C. United being eliminated, Chivas USA being eliminated, uh, leaving New England and Houston, uh, the two number two seeds as the favorites going into the final uh, final two conference finals there. Uh, the, two, the defending champ and the runner-up from last year's MLS Cup, very good chance we might see that that matchup going up, going down again with both those teams having home field advantage in the conference final. But the Revs have a very big game coming up against Chicago Fire. Uh, first, talk a little bit about last night. Uh, New York Red Bulls team coming in uh, after a 0-0 draw in New York. Looked like a favorable situation for the Revs playing at home, uh, just needing a win there at the home field. But the New York came out and put a uh, pretty good performance and had a lot of chances, uh, particularly in the second half. The Revs, uh, in the rain, it seemed like they couldn't connect as well as you'd hoped them to do uh, going into this matchup, especially at home. Uh, but Taylor Twelman scored a great goal off of off of a Shari Joseph, an incredible pass from Shari Joseph, about 40 yards there, let uh, Steve Ralston go free of the defense, and then Ralston played Twelman through on the left side of the box there. Twelman put in a shot that I think he wanted to do a little bit better with there, but fortunately John Conway could not keep that from going out. You know, he asked him after the match, he talked about uh, the spin on the ball. He got a hand to it, but the ball still spun into the net. So unfortunate for the Red Bulls, but great news for the Revs, uh, as that was all they needed to advance on to the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was beautiful. Uh, I, I think there's no question that uh, Showery was man of the match, but then he's, as far as I'm concerned, always man of the match. Great that he signed his contract. We're going to have him around for a while. But, uh, yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful pass, and I don't care whether it's spun. I don't care who knocked it in. The main thing is uh, they got the goal, and, and we won. I think... They probably they they should have had a couple of other goals. They did. I, I did not think Red Bulls played certainly all that well in the in the beginning. Uh, it seemed to be almost all the Revolution. Um, but uh, the incident with on uh, Hell certainly made a, a tremendous difference. I think psychologically as well as as just the fact that as as their leading scorer, he was out for the last uh, third of the game. And New York did have some chances there. Clint Mathis coming on after to mention uh, Juan Pablo on Hell leaving the game with a concussion there. Jay Heaps uh, hitting him with his knee on the chin, completely unintentional there. Uh, leaving that game with a concussion, the Red Bulls down a man, trying to decide whether or not he could go back into the game when the Revs scored their goal. But Claudio Reyna went down in the 27th minute and was subbed out with an injury. That's their two designated players. They're two players making over a million dollars a year on the Red Bulls roster, both of them not able to finish the game due to injuries. That's going to be a big blow for the team. Obviously, uh, Reyna hasn't had the impact Juan Pablo Angel has on the team, but he's still uh, a big influence on their midfield and changing uh, for Clint Mathis kind of changes up the dynamic with that Rebels lineup. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought uh, Mathis is showing his age. Um, 
He was a little bit slow, walked a lot, but that was a lovely shot. It came very, very close to going in. He, he had a couple of other chances, too, as well. That that shot was well saved by Matt Reese, the one he had, I believe, off the corner kick there. Right. And uh, But he had a couple of chances off corners as well that he sent over the net They probably should have done a little bit better with. Uh, chances that maybe eight, six yards out from the net that he couldn't, couldn't keep down. Yeah, you know who really impressed me, though, was Wells Thompson. I was beginning to wonder. I mean, he was the number one draft pick. He didn't seem to be doing that much when he was in. Last night he was superb. He was he was everywhere. I didn't realize he was that fast. Uh, in the first 15 minutes of the game, he had a uh, a lovely save, kept the ball from go- going out over the end line. Um, maybe he really is developing into the player we thought he might be. I know the uh, Fox Soccer Channel announcers were calling him the man of the first half. He played uh, a, That's a, right. a really great game. I would agree with yeah. you there, particularly in the first half. He caused Dave Vandenberg a lot of problems there. time there where Vandenberg was trying to control the ball and Wells ran out, it seemed like out of nowhere to keep up with him and earn the foul there in a dangerous position. Yeah, right. Uh, I know after the match I talked to uh, Steve Nick on the post-game press conference. I actually asked him about uh, Wells Thompson. He was very pleased with his performance. Uh, we also talked to Wells. I'll play that a little bit later, but do have uh, Steve Nichols' comments on the match, and uh, he was very impressed with Wells Thompson uh, as well after that game. Yeah, yeah, as well he should be. Uh, Christmas. 56 minute when Angel went out, and you guys got the goal when they were short-handed. I think it was Shall He played the ball through the middle. Ross, I mean, you know, Taylor's pulled wide and pulled them, pulled his markers open and left the hole, and Rawson's went through the hole, and Shall He's played a great ball in. And Raleigh slipped it to the side, and. Uh, Taylor's just about managed to get it over the line. Were you surprised they didn't get another player on? They had a few minutes to do that. Well, they were, I mean, obviously when you get a player like Angel, you know, you want him on the field. And they were debating about, you know, whether he was, I mean, just as from a safety point of view, because obviously, you know, he had been concussed and he, he was out for a, a, a short amount of time. So it was a tough decision for them to make, um, whether he comes back in or not, uh, just as I said, purely... From a safety point of view. Steve, on a night where it just it took a while for you guys to seem to get into the flow. How much how important was it that Shawry really stamped his his presence on this game? Not huge. I, I thought we I thought we were uh, I mean considering the wind and the conditions, I thought the first half we played some great stuff. You know, we made we made some uh, opportunities, we got the ball wide, we got the ball in the box in behind them. Uh, we just we just couldn't finish anything off. I think we played a lot of good football in the first half. Second half was scrappy. I don't think we'd played the way we did the first half, uh, but we got the goal, which is what we didn't do in the first half. Um, so we ain't complaining. Uh, we'll take uh, we'll take anyone in the playoffs. Talk about the performance of Wells Thompson. It seemed especially in the first half he was doing a great job getting forward and their defensive problems. Yeah, absolutely. You know the, the kids really got some good some tools. You know he's got pace. He has a, re- a good touch. Um, he likes going at people. And uh, you know he's really beginning to get confidence in himself. I think his his biggest problem early on in the season was he really didn't understand the tools that he had and and how big a th- how big a threat and how big a danger he could be to the opposition. But he's beginning to realise that you know he is a threat and his confidence has grown all the time. He did a he did a great job for us tonight. As did they all. Steve, can you comment on your team's experience going into this week? Now they've been here, they know what this is all about. Yeah, well, I hope, I hope, uh, you know, so far, you know, last week, this week, I think our experience showed. You know, we played well first half. We didn't panic second half when things weren't going well. You know, we didn't, 
we didn't get frustrated. We just kept battling away, and uh, I think that's down to the experience we have. You know, we know that you know we've come a long way, and you don't just take chances and lose games. And, and we were solid uh, at least. And this week's training will be no different than last week or the week before. And again, hopefully, we can take that experience into next week's game. No, no. Um, if you pick two yellow cards up in the in the the first playoff rounds, then you would be suspended. But uh, as long as you don't get two in the trot, then you're clear. And also the yellow. If you get a yellow tonight and you get a yellow next week, then you're still not suspended for the final either. That was head coach Steve Nichol and his comments on last night's performance. Uh, again, the Revolution coming with a one nothing victory over the New York Red Bulls. The Red Bulls did make one change to their lineup over the uh, team that faced the Revs in the first leg, uh, bringing out Francis Doe. Francis Doe wasn't even on the bench for this match uh, and moving Joe Vide into the midfield. Uh, were you surprised at all by that change, putting Josie out the door back up top? Uh, with Francis Doe particularly not, not even on the bench for that game, uh, with Angel coming out, maybe that was an option that uh, Arena would have liked to have had on the bench, a guy like, and, like Doe. Uh, has caused the Revs' backline problems in the past with the speed. Yeah, I, I think he made a mistake there. I think um, it, Bruce Arena puzzles me sometimes, uh, the way he does things. I know he was a great coach in D.C. in the early days of MLS. Then he had the national team mixed bag. This one, I, I, I just don't know. And and I, I watching him on the bench, I mean, first of all, he's all stone-faced. Then Angel goes down. And he's still stone-faced for a minute or two. Then he suddenly starts ragging on the, the fourth official as if some big foul had occurred, which obviously it didn't. Uh, I, I don't know if he thought if he made enough noise, you know, they'd, they'd take out one of the Revs players. or, or I don't know what, what he was thinking. But what I think one of the things that bothered me the most was how long it took them, first of all, to get Angel off the field. And secondly, how long it took them to finally substitute for him. And one of the commentators, not one of our local guys, because he wouldn't make this mistake, made a comment about, uh, well, the coach decided to overrule the player. Well, it's not the player's decision. It's up to the coach who's out on the field. Uh, and I, I think he waited too long, and I think he did a great... Of course, Angel wanted to go back. Of course he would. If he'd broken both legs, he'd probably still want to go back. But he, he shouldn't have, and they should have acted much more quickly. And I, know, I think it might have been Arena after the match who said that on how was out for 30 seconds uh, yeah. on that play. And clearly clearly something's wrong there if you have a player with a concussion uh, out for 30 seconds after getting hit, hit there. I, I can't see how you would possibly put him back into that match. I know the uh, Fox Soccer Channel announcers originally had said that, you know, I can't see how any way that he's coming back exactly. from the match. And yeah. yet they still waited a good... Five, five minutes, I think, after he had gone onto the sidelines to decide you know, to make that substitution, and that ended up costing them a goal while the team was down a man. Yes, yes, I agree. And I chickened out, didn't feel like standing in the rain last night. So I watched it on TV, and I taped it, and I, I replayed that. And, I mean, his Angel's hands were on his face a good portion of the time, and he was blinking his eyes. It was obvious he was in distress. It wasn't just a little bump. Um... And and they simply should have taken him out right away and and acted more more quickly and and like you said maybe it would have ended up a tie game maybe it would have gone to overtime if, if they had uh, if Arena had acted more quickly I was I was surprised I was surprised at the way he handled it 
something to see that you know, immediately after after he was subbed out, they took him back to the locker room. And I guess they took him to a local hospital for monitoring. Uh, if he yeah. was to that stage, again, you got to wonder what made them wait so long. Obviously, it was obvious uh, on how he wanted to go back into the game, but uh, yeah, well, of course when he, he would. when he has yeah. an injury like that, you got to think that the coach is going to make that decision a little bit quicker than he ended up doing. Yeah, I, have you heard anything more about the, how severe it was? I mean, it's, it's obvious it was a concussion. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I haven't heard the full story. I thought I actually saw him uh, as I was walking out of the stadium uh, with Clint Matheson, his head kind of wrapped up. I don't know if that was him because I yeah. heard he was taken to the hospital. I don't think he would be back that soon. Uh, but I, I haven't heard the full story there. I haven't seen anything out, surprisingly, from uh, the local New York papers or anything from New York uh, on the extent of his injury. I, I'm sure we'll hear something soon, but uh, such a key player like that, it's a, it, it's sad to see that the Revs win that game uh, without him on the field. I think it would have meant maybe a little bit more if they had been playing with uh, oh, the I, best I, players the I completely game. agree. I mean, I'm glad we won, but I'm I'm really sorry it was it, it was that way. And looking at the other playoff series, as I mentioned, uh, there are a lot of injuries that I think have had big effects on these playoff series. In D.C., Moreno, Emilio, both missing the first leg, right. both not starting that. Uh, neither neither looked 100% in the second leg either, or certainly not in the form that they were throughout the season. Uh, no no question that that played a role in that series. Uh, and then Chivas USA, the top seed in the Western Conference, uh, Galindo, Mikel Galindo, uh, Ante Razov, both of them missing the first leg. Right. Galindo coming back for the second leg, playing at 60%, according to Precky. Uh, clearly, that had a big effect. Those two, Their top two scorers there on that team, uh, they weren't able to score a goal in that series. Uh, un- undoubtedly, with the chances that they had in the second leg, with a guy like Razlev in there, could have made a difference in that match. Uh, it's kind of disappointing that these injuries have played such a big role so far in this year's playoffs. Yeah, at the moment, we seem to be healthy, not good. Oh, what about uh, Chicago? Do you know... Uh do you know what their injury status is? Well, Chicago played a great game in D.C., scoring the two goals there. They seem to be pretty healthy. Uh, Justin Mapp, Yvonne Guerrero, two guys that uh, are struggling with injuries. I don't know if they're going to be available uh, for right. the Revolution game, but they've certainly done very well without those two players, uh, with Kutumak Blanco. Uh, Juan Chope, it doesn't look like... It looks like he's lost his starting spot after coming over to Chicago. He hasn't been playing too well. But Chad Barrett has really picked up his game in the playoffs. Chris yeah. Rolfe. Uh, two great goals in the first game and in the second game an incredible volley there uh, really looked like the D.C. defense had that cover but he managed to get his leg around there and get that in the back of the net uh, this is a very dangerous Chicago team offensively and defensively they've been playing very strong as well except for that breakdown it seemed like in the second half against D.C. yeah well for, I don't know how much home advantage I know it counts some uh, fortunately we're the home team this time because we've put, we've played Chicago three times, lost twice in Chicago, but one um, in uh, Gillette. So hopefully that will make make a big difference. I, I think it's going to be a hopefully it'll be a great game on Thursday. Yeah, and I got the chance to talk to Twelman last night about that game uh, as well as last night's game. Uh, Twelman's certainly happy to be playing at home. Talked about how how frequently the Reds have been playing Chicago uh, over the years. Uh, but this is a different Chicago team. The Reds right. played them once since Blanco came, and certainly a very different dynamic from this team. But we do have uh, Twelman's comments on the match, and we'll play those now. Noons and I were just talking about it. It was just a battle, you know, with the wind and rain and playing on turf. It was just kind of an ugly game, and just one of those games where you got to fight through it. And, uh, you know, when you do get the chance, hopefully it crosses the line. <laughs> Did you think that was going to get saved and kind of we got a hand on it? Yeah, I don't. It was it was kind of weird. I just wanted to stay on side, but then Raleigh played it and played. I mean, played a great ball, but it just the wind kind of took it a little bit farther ahead, so it kind of cut my angle off. But uh, 
It went in. That's all that matters. Goal's a goal. Did you want to hit it, strike it a little harder? Or? I wanted to bury it. Yeah, I really wanted to bury it, but then it kind of like jumped on me, and I just was like, you know what? This has to get on. I have to hit it on frame, if anything, and uh, I just did. Now, were you, uh, you know, they, they were playing with 10 at that point. Were you a little surprised that they didn't uh, sub for on uh, I think they were trying to. We just, you know, we Shawree played a great ball. Stevie made a great run, you know, and uh, it caught him off guard. You know, Stevie made that. That was his first run where he kind of went a little deep and peeled off, and uh, Shawree played a great ball. And Stevie and I made eye contact, and he waited to make sure I was onside, and, you know, fortunately went in. In New York, I mean, they really had problems with you guys here again. I don't know. It was, it was just so, I mean, the weather really didn't make for the game to be uh, terribly exciting. But uh, it was definitely hard fought, you know, and uh, they had a couple couple chances, you know. That was it. And uh, I think we had two as well, right? Two, maybe three. So it was just that kind of game, and it was just a matter of, uh, you know, it was that kind of goal that was going to win that game. Do you think having seen Chicago as recently as you have is going to help your team in preparation for Thursday? Well, we've played them 38 million times. and <laughs> since I've been, I mean, I, you know, it's just one of those deals. Obviously, they're playing real Real, really well right now, and um, they're they're all believing in the system, and uh, that makes them very strong. Us playing at home helps, and uh, it's going to be a battle. I think it's what our fifth time playing them in six years since I've been here in the playoffs. So you know, it says a lot for both franchises. Is there a collective confidence in this locker room, Taylor, with just the experience you have going into this? It's just it's the ex- it's the experience. You know, I think you saw it tonight. You know, we all looked at each other, and uh, when we got that lead, we knew what we had to do. And, uh, you know, the core group of guys here have been here for six years, and we've done it for six years, and some guys have done it for five. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, there's no egos in here. It's very similar to the uh, across the hallway. You know, I I heard Teddy Bruschi say the same thing, and everyone's fair game in this locker room, and I think that helps. You know, when when you you have to get nitty-gritty and get down and get dirty, this team's good at doing that, and... uh, you know, it's a name on the front and a name on the back, and I think that helps us. Offensively, it seems like it's not, it's not it hasn't really clicked the past couple of games. Is it just something where... No, it hasn't. I, you know, on the other hand, I thought we played pretty well. You know, I think we got we did real well possessing the ball, getting the ball out wide. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely been a little frustrating because we're not getting a lot of chances and the consistent chances that we normally get. And uh, But when you're winning, what does it matter? Yeah. Does the shorter turnaround for uh, having a game Thursday as opposed to a week away kind of put you at a disadvantage? No, I just, as long as it's not windy and not raining and we get 25,000 people here, I think all of us, you know, will be pumped up and ready to play. And that was uh, Taylor Twelman's comments on last night's match and the upcoming game against Chicago. Uh, mentioning the Patriots there across the locker room. Uh, Patriots just finished off a 24-21 to over Indianapolis, so good weekend for New England sports with the Celtics also winning tonight, uh, as well as the Revs winning last night to go on to the uh, Eastern Conference Final. Now over the phone, we're joined by Greg Lawless, Revs color commentator, as well as uh, MLS Extra Time host, uh, writer for Goal.com. Greg, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you very much. I'm actually on a bus headed down to New York right now. Well, we just heard from Twelman, and uh, he, he didn't think that the, the that they put, we were put at a disadvantage from having this Eastern Conference final on Thursday. But are you surprised by the uh, the decision of the MLS front office to schedule this matchup, uh, give, giving DC and Chicago a week between games, and the Revs only four days? Um. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that we're going to have to do something no matter what, no, no matter how it actually came out. I think something was going to happen. 
someone's going to have to break. It was either going to be, you know, D.C. or Chicago, or it was going to be New England. The reality is that D.C. ended up being the top seed, and so they were going to be given the preference. And I think that's perfectly fine by the league. New England, you know, D.C. got upset. Chicago goes in instead, and you end up with New England having to deal with that situation, four days rest. You know what? That's, that's the way it goes. So, uh, you know, in some ways, it's, it's kudos to Chicago for what they did against D.C., how important is it for the Revs to have this matchup at home after uh, last year having to go down to D.C., obviously getting the win there, but the way D.C. was playing uh, this year, it wouldn't have been an easy match for them to have to go down to D.C., D.C. playing with a chance to, to go into the uh, MLS Cup final at home. Hello? Hey, can you still hear me there, Greg? I guess we're having a little bit of trouble with the phone line there, uh, talking about the upcoming Eastern Conference final matchup between <laughs> Chicago and the Revs. Uh, that, that will certainly be an interesting matchup. Uh, at Gillette again on Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, should be Sounds like it's going to be a lot better weather than it was on Saturday night, so should be a great game to go out and see. Oh, absolutely. I, I Even though it's a Thursday night, I hope they get a really, really good crowd. You and I will be there, <laughs> along with several thousand people. I And, of course, the fort will be packed. Those guys will be going nuts. And I heard that they had sold over 14,000 tickets for uh, the game on Saturday, which is a pretty good number, but yes. obviously not that many showed up for the game. But it was still a very uh, a surprisingly good, considering the weather. I believe they had uh, over 10,000. I don't think that was uh, much of an overestimate or anything there either. It looked like a, a good attendance, considering. Yeah, it did. And, and from watching it on TV, certainly, this, there were a lot more people in the stands than I ever expected. Yeah, it was... It was great to see uh, the good support there. The Red Bulls fa- fans uh, coming out in full force there and supporting too. Uh, considering the very windy weather as well as the right. uh, the rain, the rain actually stopped pretty quickly in the match, surprisingly quickly there, uh, about five minutes in. It sounded like it might be going for the entire match. Right. I th- do think we got Greg back on the line now, so uh, ho- hopefully it works a little bit better now. Greg, can you hear me? Uh, modern technology, man. It never really the way you want it to. <laughs> I'll tell you what. So, what do you think for this upcoming Eastern Conference Final? Chicago coming in, uh, having beat a very good D.C. United team. Uh, the Revs lost to Chicago, uh, of course, that game in Chicago just a couple weeks ago. Uh, is this going to be a very tight matchup? Oh, I think it's going to be an extremely tight matchup. And I actually think that uh, it's going to be a game that's pretty much, I think, decided in the first 20 minutes. Whoever can handle the first 20 minutes best, because Chicago is certainly going to come out very hard in the first 20 minutes uh, looking to just push it and push it and maybe push some sort of a panic button in New England. However, you look at the Rams, this is probably the most experienced team, playoff team in the league as it stands. And uh, But you know they're going to have to deal with Blanco. That's the key. Yeah, and Blanco has been such a such a difference maker for Chicago coming in uh, and really turning their season around along with the, uh, the new coach Osorio. Do you think he's made a big difference there in addition to Blanco? It seems like this team is uh, really on the same page now more than they were under Sarikin at the start of the season. Well, I think what Osorio did was bring a professionalism in that didn't exist beforehand. There was some sort of, you know, a, a disconnect within the, the hierarchy there, I think, getting from the professionalism of what they were trying to do off the field, building the new stadium, bringing in John Gumpy from New York, and then there was a break somewhere as it got down to Dave Sarakin. And Dave Sarakin really is just not, in my mind, head coach material. He's a, he's a wonderful training coach, but I don't think he's the best coach maybe as a, as a coach, as, as a figurehead for your team. 
And Juan Carlos Osorio is certainly that. He's very sophisticated. He speaks a bunch of languages. He knows the game very well. And he takes this very seriously. And that's the key for him. I think he's been phenomenal bringing in. And let's be honest. If he's not there, Wilmon Conde, who shored up the defense for Chicago, is not in Chicago either. Yeah, and looking at the... Uh, the changes there from Chicago, uh, a completely different team from the start of the season, the way they've turned things around. DC yeah, United, totally, though, totally. DC United, though, have been strong throughout the season. Uh, do you think this this series would have turned out completely different uh, had a guy like Emilio and uh, Moreno been on form and r- healthy from the get go? Well, certainly. I mean, I think I think the health of a player is a big factor in all of this, um, and certainly Emilio being hurt hurt them a lot. Um, Moreno not being able to go in the, in the first game. I think most most of the injury stuff hurt them more in the first game than the second game. Um, you know, because they weren't able to go and apply a little bit of pressure on Chicago until the very end, and they didn't have that killer player that could finish one in. Emilio wasn't 100%. Moreno obviously wasn't 100% in that first game in Chicago. So you're then stuck with pressing and pressing for the equalizer as they were, and they were just trying to pound the Chicago goal. But by the time they got to it, there was nothing they could do with it after that because they didn't have Emilio or Moreno at 100% to put the goal in. And that killed them. I mean, that killed them. But what are you going to do? And for the Revs, the Revs coming into the playoffs pretty healthy uh, in contrast there. Uh, but the, the final three games for the Revs, a lot of defensive weaknesses shown. Uh, New York, a team that has certainly had their problems in the back, but uh, another team that has gone throughout the season really not getting shut out in many games. Uh, they had the Revs come... Uh, with these problems that they've been having going into the se- going into the playoffs, uh, two big shutouts against uh, New York, a team with a very dangerous offense. Well, what do you think has been the difference for this Revs team uh, in these two playoff matches? Well, I think experience is a big thing. You know, having the experience to deal with playoffs when the intensity picks up has been huge. And this New York team that they just faced, they didn't really have that much playoff experience. When you look at it, you know, the Jeff Parks of the world, obviously, as great as Jody Altidore is. You know, he's not the player that, that is going to cause all sorts of problems in the playoffs. He doesn't understand that. He doesn't understand what it means that when all of a sudden he said Jay Heap's kicking him every time he touches the ball. And that, there's a reason why he does that in the playoffs, and he doesn't necessarily do it in the regular season. Now, I also think the revolution bent and bent and bent, but it didn't break. And that was, that was very important for them. It was interesting to watch. And this is where I think experience and, uh, you know, just having a core group of players that have, they have confidence in each other and they have faith in each other. And they just bent and they bent, but they just didn't break. And that was the key. So, you know, and that, that I think is what pushed them over the top. Are you surprised we haven't seen Dorman at all in these playoff series? He played every game in the regular season, obviously losing the starting spot to Wells Thompson, but uh, hasn't even made a substitute role yet in these playoffs. Do you think uh, he'll play in the, a role either in the uh, Eastern Conference Final or if they should advance in the MLS Cup Final? Or uh, is he kind of out of Steve Nichols' picture right now for uh, the Revolution lineup? Um, you know, Andy, Andy's a good player. I just think that he hasn't played well the last couple of weeks. And then it comes in the last month, let's say, last two months of the season, he didn't play well. And he wasn't bringing much to the, to the fold anymore. And that, that eventually got around to, to hurting him. And, you know, he's certainly the kind of player that if you need 20 minutes at the end of the game, he can add something. And I think that will become a factor. Uh, in a bigger game such as MLS Cup or in mean, Thursday, he could become a factor. Is it worrying at all that uh, all the corner kicks the Revolution gave up last night? Obviously, New York, a team that wasn't able to take advantage of it, but uh, 12 corner kicks given up and, and that match. There were a couple times there it seemed like the Revs possibly could have cleared it out for a throw-in, but uh, the clearances were a little bit off 
maybe affected by the wind, but against a team like Chicago that's really dangerous on set pieces, uh, that's got to be something they need to watch out for. Uh, yes and no. I actually think New York is probably more dangerous than Chicago on set pieces. I think that Chicago has proven uh, throughout the season that, that when they're at their best, it's when they're running at you. I think Chicago's biggest danger is that their two front runners, Chad Barrett and Chris Rolfe, are the kind of players who cause problems for the back three of New England. And uh, Chris Rolfe, small, quick, speedy guys cause problems for them. So I think that's going to end up being uh, much more dangerous than any of the set pieces are going to be. I mean, obviously, if Blanco gets a chance to hit a free kick from 25 yards out, that's dangerous. But the corner kicks don't worry me as much uh, when you have Lorenowitz and Charlie Joseph and, and everyone else who, who then, you know, Jay Heaps, they can all do just fine. And you have the best goalkeeper in the league, probably. What do you think we're going to see uh, in this matchup? The Revs, two players that have really, really been inconsistent throughout the season, Kano Smith. Uh, Wells Thompson, it seemed like Wells Thompson put in a great performance last night. Kano Smith, the, the week before, put in a great defensive performance there, uh, really making some key stops. Who do you think is going to step it up in this game against Chicago? I think it's going to be the same players that stepped it up against New York. It's going to be uh, Ralston that's going to have a great game. Um, I think that Parkhurst is going to have to have a great game. Um, I think it's going to be the big boys. It's straight up the middle. Shaori, uh, Stevie Ralston, Twelman, Noonan, uh, Reese, and Parkhurst. And, and any time you get into a situation like this, it's the guys right up the spine that need to be strongest. So uh, you're right. I thought Wells Thompson played very well in the second leg. Thomas Smith, a little clueless, but, uh, you know, he had the wind and the hurricane, and, and he's not really a fan of the cold weather, so maybe that was his problem. But, you know, um, I think if the guys up the middle have a good game, they're going to have a great job. They have to stop giving. They have to make sure that Blanco is not allowed uh, a bunch of space. So that's a key for them. Well, we'll let you go in just a second, but before you do, could you tell us about uh, the MLS Extra Time program that you co-host with Shep Messing and how that's been going and kind of how that got to start? How that got started? Uh, I got a phone call from someone at MLS that said, you want to host this? And I said, sure. And uh, so now, you know, it's once a week, and it's a lot of fun. I think it's been going well. We're getting viewers uh, once a you know, every week. I think the viewers are growing, and um, they also, I've also been doing a lot of stuff on Goal.com and, and have them start flying as well. So things are looking up for, for soccer, I think, in the U.S. And all of these are good indications. Your show is a good indication of things picking up for soccer in the U.S. too. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today and keep up the great coverage. Thanks, thanks for having me. We'll talk to you later. Again, that was uh, Greg Loss, the Revs uh, color commentator on the radio and television broadcast, as well as co-host on MLS Extra Time and writer for Gold.com. Uh, interesting views on the upcoming match with Chicago. Certainly a Chicago team that... Uh, as, a, as we've mentioned earlier, it was a completely changed team from what the Revs saw earlier in the season. Uh, they did play them once in Chicago, of course, that game going 2-1 to one in favor of the Fire, but the Revs had an early lead in that match uh, during a streak where the Revs were having trouble holding on to their leads. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I um, I think uh, Greg is, is right on target when he talks about the importance of straight down the middle, and we're very fortunate. We've got a great goalkeeper, Parkhurst. What can you say about him? Joseph. Uh best in the league uh, and if the two guys up front along with everybody else um, performs the way they, they can I, th- I think we should take the game I think I really do as long as we get somebody to stay stick with Blanco and make sure he, he doesn't go anywhere and certainly got to watch the, uh, the, the the easy falls to the ground with in these matches uh, oh my I think goodness, you saw throughout yeah. the DC United Series particularly in the first like how easily he would go to the ground and uh, 
crying for those fouls there. Really, really something that the referee, (laughs) I hope you have a referee that's well aware of his uh, antics during the match. Yeah, you know, the the MLS, just to digress a second, MLS has offered a player who retires um, money to train them to become a referee. I can't help thinking somebody like Blanco, who has seen so much, who has done so much himself, uh, in, shall we say, falling down a lot, would be able to spot it very, very quickly. Although I don't think he or actually any other players I can think of would take them up on it. Certainly he has the experience of uh, <laughs> of taking a dive there, but uh, we'll see how that series works out. Uh, a guy like Shari Joseph is going to have a big task marking him. I would imagine a lot of the responsibility will fall on the shoulders of uh, him and Jeff Lorenowitz to cut out those passes to the two forwards and uh, Chris Rolfe and Chad Barrett who have been so deadly lately going yeah. into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, but I'm, I'm confident the guys are up to it. I don't want to make a prediction, but I think we're going to do it. We'll, well see. Not to change the subject, uh, but you mentioned Parkhurst a little bit earlier and the, the key he has been for the revolution through the middle. Uh, recent article out of England, out of the, uh, I believe the, the, Brit, the uh, People, I think, magazine yes, in England. Yes, I heard that, about that. Uh, Parkhurst was uh, an, a target of Laurie Sanchez and Fulham there. So I, I don't know if there's any truth to that rumor. Certainly Fulham's been linked to a lot of American players <laughs> over the year. Uh, due to the players that they have signed from right. MLS. Uh, but that would be a huge loss to the Revs uh, if, if he was a player to go over there and join Dempsey. Yeah, it, 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 to me it's it's the same as with Dempsey. I, I don't want them to go. I really don't. I want them to stay here. But for their own sake, their own development, if he gets the opportunity to go, he'd be crazy not to. I know he's a local guy and he's got very strong ties. I'm very active in the community in, in Rhode Island. But if he gets a chance to uh, spread his wings over there, I hope he does. Well, I agree with you on that, but I think from a Revs perspective, it would almost be a bigger loss for the Revs to lose Parkers than it was Dempsey. Yes, it's, I think so too. Parkers, particularly in their in their formation, has played such a such a key role uh, in that three man back line. I'm not sure they could really stick with that that back line uh, without him. I know we saw Riley fill in for a few games and do a pretty good job, but yeah. he, he is such a key member of that uh, formation. One of the things that always gets to me is people talk about, well, Parkhurst wouldn't go overseas because, after all, he's not that big. He's not that small. He's got a slender frame, but he's, he's what, 5'10", five, 5'11"? Five, he's not a little shrimp. But the most important thing, of course, is is his brain, the way he plays, the way he reads the game, the way he can anticipate, along with being able to take a shot on goal occasionally from... <laughs> From what, 60 yards out and score? You got a 100% scoring percentage there. Yeah, you can't. Shooting, so. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed he didn't try that last night, though. Well, it was, uh, you mentioned his height. I know I've had this debate before. It seems like may- maybe he's a player that would be well suited for uh, Spain. I know watching their, the teams over there, a team like Barcelona has two center backs that are under 5'9, certainly well shorter than him. Uh, in yeah. England, you do see a lot of the. The taller, the taller center backs. Obviously, Parkhurst makes up for that a lot with his intelligence. But uh, I almost think that his playing style might be better suited for a league like Spain. Yeah, but I. W- Did you know when his contract is up? You know, I'm not sure when his contract is up. I know it's not up in this off season. But right. I, I know he got a raise. I I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Uh, still one of the lower paid members of the starting lineup. Nowhere near up with Shari Joseph or Taylor Twelman. But right. uh, I would imagine the Reds would do all they can to keep him. We saw them go, go the extra mile to keep Shari Joseph. I imagine that finally the, the same the same situation with Parkers. Right, right. Oh, I, I I think you're absolutely right. And um, I just hope we keep him. 
Well, we are going to take another quick break here, and then we'll be back with uh, Soccer New England publisher Michael Jones. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. The National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Joyce Furia, uh, photographer for SoccerNewEngland.com. We're talking a little about the Revolution 1-0 victory over New York Red Bulls last night. And now over the phone, we're joined by uh, Soccer New England publisher Michael Jones. Michael, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Sean. How are you? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, no problem. No problem. Hi, Michael. Hey, Joyce. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. So, what, what did you think of the Rev series with the Red Bulls? Uh, did you think they were going to come out on top? The Red Bulls and the Revs obviously struggled in going into the series, but uh, two teams with very good offenses. Surprised only one goal coming out of that series? Well, no, I wasn't. I, I think a lot was made in the press, and I think it was very valid. Uh, experience counts for an awful lot when you get to this stage of the season, and I think that the Reds knew exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, it's no accident that they're coached by a uh, by a defender, and you sort of go in there. And I saw Liverpool do this countless times in the 70s and 80s when Steve Nichol was playing for them. They would go to European stadiums all across Europe in the European, what used to be then the European Cup. They go out there, get a draw, play a very very tight game, bring them home, get a win, bang, you next next through the next round. And I think that's a very very uh, good sign that the Revolution, of course, they're now in their what sixth consecutive run in the playoffs, and. Um, the Red Bulls have not got that kind of track record, not got that history, and I don't think it's any accident that you saw a similar sort of thing with some of the other teams. You saw Chivas, which was a terrific team, and frankly was my team tip to win the whole thing. But experience, or lack thereof, kind of uh, tripped them up in the very first hurdle, and you think, wow, that's a, that's a better team than, than it looks. But at the same time, you've got to go out there and get the wins when it counts. And uh, So I think Steve Nichol played it exactly the way he should have played it. I think... Uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty to watch, to be honest, but in fairness to both teams, it could have been a much better game yesterday, but for the conditions they had to play in. 
I know you mentioned Chivas was your pick to win it all. I think they were mine, too. I don't know if I realized the full extent of the injury of uh, Razov. I, I thought it sounded like he was going to be back for at least one of the games in the series. Certainly, that having an effect on Chivas with their uh, one of their top scorers out throughout the entire series. Uh, but, as you mentioned, the experience a big a big factor throughout these series. Uh, looking at the Revolution, I, we haven't mentioned it yet. This is their sixth time in the playoffs. It's also their sixth time in a row that they've sixth time in a row that they've advanced past the first round. So a, a team with a lot of experience going into these into these games, and certainly a ton of experience going into this Eastern Conference Final. Uh, been in more conference finals than any other team in MLS. Uh, what do you see from this game against Chicago? Chicago, a team that's turned their season around. A very big victory over DC United. Crucial win there. Uh, surprising win against uh, the league's top team in the regular season. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, it's going to be a real tough game. I, I, I've enjoyed watching Chicago lately. I, I'm a big fan of Blanco. I, I was one of the skeptics when he was first signed. Everyone was saying, well, he's not going to come in with the right attitude. He's going to be one of these these busts that we've had from time to time from Lothar Mateus and uh, one or two others who haven't come in and let, let the league up. And I thought Blanco was going to be just another one of those. But he's proven me wrong. And... Um, He's really changed that team. And, and they've also got a couple of key players back. I think Chris Wolf has been a key, key player for them. He was injured for a lot of time uh, in the season, and he came back at just the right time. And two goals in the playoffs, that's, that's a big deal. They only scored three goals, and Chris Wolf got two of them. So that's something to think about. And um, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I think it's going to be a really good game. But, uh, but again, I think the Revolution's experience is going to count for something. And uh, remember, they went into D.C. last year um, at D.C., and they got a goal, they got a fairly early goal, terrific goal from Taylor Twelman, and then just held on for a 1-0 win and just ground it out. And it's it's a sign of a very, very good and very well-coached team, and I think uh, it's a pleasure to be able to say that that's exactly what the Revolution, after years and years and years of sort of not being that, the Revolution are now finally exactly that, and they are going to be one of the toughest teams to beat in this uh, in this thing. I think, I, frankly, my prediction now, now, having said that, my predictions are not that great so far, but my prediction now is for a repeat of last year's final, Houston versus the Reds. So that's got to be the, the favorite to go through with both those teams playing their matches at home. Uh, interesting, though, you mentioned Chris Rolfe coming back from the injury. I, I kind of forgotten about that injury to Chris Rolfe. Chicago, a team, uh, in addition to getting Blanco, before those, before they brought in those players, uh, Rolfe out injured, Justin Mapp out injured, Devon Guerrero out injured. Those are three three key players for the Chicago Fire. Uh, and probably, Jim Kirkin's been out all season. Yeah, th- those are players that certainly have an effect on the team. Uh, part of the reason why Chicago uh, was struggling Blanco comes in, really turns things around. They still have these three players in Curtin, as you mentioned, uh, Guerrero and Mapp still out. Uh, so they're, they're not even playing with their their uh, full full roster available. That's for sure. That's for sure. I think uh, I think it, it, when they go, those guys come back, and of course it doesn't look like it's going to be this year now. But I think next year they're going to be a be a heck of a team to worry about. It's quite possible this year might just be a little bit too much for them. I, I think the Reds can beat them, and I think the Reds will beat them. Um, but there's no question Chicago is going to be a team to watch going into the early part of next season, and they've they've got a good. I like their coach. I must admit, I think he's really done an awful lot too. Don't, no one's talked too too much about him, and um, so there's a number of things that kind of came together for them right around about the middle of July when Blanco came. They changed coaches, and, and as I say, Rolf came back. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when he came back, but he came back later in the season, and. Um, They'll they'll be good enough to give England New England some some problems, but not enough, I don't think, to beat them in the end. And, and the Revs have uh, been healthy throughout these playoffs and, and going into the playoffs. Uh, not going into the playoffs though on the same kind of streak that we've seen in the past, kind of 
uh, limping into the playoffs with the three-game uh, winless streak going in. Uh, this team still is able to come across and really do well against the New York team, New York team that themselves had kind of struggled going into the playoffs. Uh, but Chicago, of course, has been playing throughout throughout this last couple of weeks of MLS like they were playoff games, needing to win every single match, or, or pretty much come close to it, getting all the points to actually make it into the playoffs. Uh, different different dynamic from the Revs than we've seen in the past few years. Is that still going to be good enough for the Revs to uh, keep up that streak and go into the playoffs and make it back to the MLS Cup final? Well, you know, I think there's a, there's a couple of different schools of thought of this. And, and um, you know, you're absolutely right. Teams that are playing must-win games get into a groove, get into a zone. We saw it in the World Series with the Red Sox. The Red Sox went into those last three games against Cleveland absolutely having to win. And then when they actually got to the World Series, they played against a team that hadn't lost, what, they'd lost one game in 22 or something like that, yep. and had had a week off to rest. And... and you wouldn't have thought that to look at the way the World Series came out. They ended up sweeping the series because time off at this time of year is overrated. And I think teams that are struggling and have to win every game kind of get themselves into a groove. It's like every game is a cup final kind of approach. And it can be very, very dangerous. Now, there's another school of thought. You can sort of say the Revolution made it into the playoffs with weeks to spare, like four weeks before the end of the season or something. So they kind of took their foot off the gas. They were able to sort of nurse a few injuries out, take a few key players out, rest them, and it didn't really matter. Um, DC United lost a couple of big players towards the end of the season, and it, and it cost them very dearly in the playoffs. So there's a lot to be said for if you make the playoffs and you can take a couple of players out, give them some rest, there's something to be said for that. On the other hand, uh, as I say, the, the teams that come in late, you, you saw it with Kansas City too, Teams that come in late have to win every game. They kind of get themselves into a groove, and um, they can be tough to beat. They can be tough to beat, and I think it's, it's something to watch for. But as I say, I still think the Reds are going to win it. And you talk about the the changes going into the playoffs with uh, those teams not not needing the win necessarily in the past in the last few games of the regular season. Uh, it was interesting to see from a Revolution perspective uh, a guy like Matt Reese who. I didn't think had his best regular season. Certainly a great goalkeeper. There were a lot of times it seemed like he gave up rebounds uh, that maybe in the past he would have held on to and the, the opponents have capitalized. Uh, in the first leg of the playoffs, that was completely gone. He did not give up. I can't remember a single rebound he gave up on, on any dangerous shot there. Uh, it seems like he's a guy that goes into the playoffs and even even at least this year has turned it up another notch from his regular season performance. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. He gets into another zone, doesn't he? I mean, we can still remember a few years back when he saved two penalties in one game in the playoffs. And uh, that was against Columbus, I believe, on Halloween night. And uh, you're absolutely right. He's a, he's a monster in the playoffs. And certain players, again, it comes back to what I was saying earlier, a certain amount of experience. They don't get nervous. They don't get uh, panicked. And they, they just know what they have to do. And um, I think players like him, it's no coincidence that Taylor Twelman scores yesterday. I mean, he's the kind of money guy that you want in your forward line when you absolutely have to get a goal and you, you give it to Twelman and he'll find a way to get it in even if it barely crosses the line like it did last night. It still counts and it's still the kind of guy you want in there. Uh, you talked about injuries and I must admit I'm still a little worried about Pat Noon and I don't think he's ever really come off of that injury he, he carried for most of last season. He's just never been himself this year. So I think that is one possible weakness. Um, and Adam Christman has been a terrific uh, rookie, and he's had a good rookie year. Probably not yet good enough to win the rookie of the year, but um, I'm not sure he's he's kind of gone off the boil these last few weeks. He's not been the player in the second half of the season that he was in the first half of the season. So New England will be relying very heavily on Taylor Twelman, and um, 
if, if Chicago can find a way to shut him out, uh, I'm not sure Pat Noonan's got enough to really cause them problems um, as, a, as a second forward. So I think that might be one way to sort of stifle New England. But then New England can get goals from other places. There's always Ralston. There's always uh, even Charlie stepping in and getting off the... You know, Michael, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Thompson. Yep. Wells Thompson was a, a revelation to me last night because he, you know, first pick was supposed to be terrific. Nothing much happened. But uh, last night I, I thought he played like a man possessed. How do you think he'll do in the game on Thursday? I, I think he'll be fine. I, 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 the thing about Wells Thompson, I don't think anybody's really asked too, too much of him. He's not, he's not the kind of guy that the, with the, the refs are counting on to carry a whole game. Right. Um, he's playing out on the right-hand side. He's got some good speed. I must admit, I've been quite impressed with how much pace he's got. I didn't... Yeah, you know, when you think too. of pace in New England, you sort of tend to think of uh, the other side, of the uh, Connor Smith, and he's the guy who, who, who we sort of think of as having pace to spare. But well, he is pretty fast, and um, I think if, if he works hard, he can, he can be effective. Uh, the, the key players, I think, are going to be the key players that have, that have always been. You, you draw the line right up the center of the, of the field. You've got the recent goal. He's got to have a monster game. Parker in the middle of defense is going to have a good game. Shari Joseph, Steve Ralston, and Taylor Twelman. Those are the, the key money players. Ordinarily, you would hope that Pat Noonan would be one of those players, but I, I just got this, this suspicion that he's just not right physically yet from, from that long-term injury he had. I'd be really interested to see if, if, if Dorman gets in and, and how he uh, responds to these last few weeks of being benched. I think he's, if he comes in, as a, even if he comes in as a substitute, he, he's got a point to prove, and it may well be a good effective use uh, of, of a player there. Um, well, obviously, if he if he gets in there and does well, I, I, I think that would be a bonus. But I don't I don't look to him to carry the team. I look to those big veteran players who've been there before to to really see this through. If uh, if it's going to happen, it's going to come through one of those five players. I think. I know we had you on a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about uh, your, your changes with Soccer New England and Soccer New England's website. Uh, we do have about four minutes left here. I didn't get the chance to ask you about uh, how, how you actually came across and acquired Soccer New England. And, uh, how you became a part of that? Well, I, I had a career in magazine publishing for a long, long time. I actually used to work for Cosmopolitan Magazine in London, believe it or not, right on Carnaby Street in London. So that was a kind of a cool place to work, and I really enjoyed it. When I came over to this country in 1990, I worked for the Atlantic Monthly for a number of years. So I've been in publishing, and then I took a bit of a career detour, if you will. I founded the Cape Cod Crusaders, uh, and started that whole thing, with the, which ultimately became the Boston Renegades and the Boston Bulldogs and that whole uh, mass premier soccer thing. I started that whole thing back in the early 90s with a guy called John Curtis. And when I got out of that, I kind of looked around. I'd, I'd gotten involved with John O'Keefe because we used to send press releases to him. John O'Keefe had started Soccer New England way, way back in the 80s, and we used to send press releases and try and get free coverage for the teams when, when he was running the publication. And then I left the Crusaders. John was just looking to find someone. He was getting to an age where he wanted to retire, so he sold it to me. So I bought it from him about nine years ago. It was actually September of 1998, so nine years ago. And um, I've never looked back. It's been a sort of an up-and-down uh, experience. On the, on, on the one side, soccer has expanded dramatically in those nine years and has become a really terrific, um, you know, 
source of, of a magazine, a good subject to, to write a magazine about. On the other side of the coin, though, uh, the industry itself, the publishing industry, has been sort of overturned by the Internet revolution, and so there's been challenges of how we sort of make that thing work. Years ago, we used to have two, three thousand paid subscribers. Now people don't need to do that. They can get their information online. So that was a big source of revenue that got taken away. On the other hand, the advertising side, the business has grown, the industry has grown dramatically, so there's more advertising potential out there. So with this new website, we think we can really sort of meet those needs quite well. The uh, the readers definitely get the information they're looking for in a more timely manner than they used to when we did it in print. Um, and the advertisers, we think, get a much, much better deal. They get a, actually the advertising rates are lower because we don't have to pay a printer in the post office to get the information distributed, which is a good saving, so we are able to pass those on to advertisers. Um, and at the same time, if they want to change their ad, you know, at a moment's notice, they can do that. If they want to uh, bring some different graphics and animated graphics and things like that, they can do that online in a way that they couldn't in print. So all in all, we're really excited about the way the, uh, the thing's going. Uh, for a number of years, I don't mind telling you, it was kind of a slog to get the magazine out every month, and it was so frustrating when we'd run a story and the by the time we actually got it to print, the story was out of date. We'd write something. Else. I think I remember one time not long ago we wrote a story that Charlie Davis looked like a shoe-in to be named to the U20 national team uh, for the World Cup uh, in Holland a couple of years ago. And by the time the magazine actually came out, Charlie Davis had gotten injured or the team had been announced and Charlie Davis wasn't on it or something. So it was actually out of date before it even hit the streets. Those sorts of things thankfully don't happen when you're online. You could just rip the story down very quickly and put a new revised story up. So those sorts of things are much, much more um, appealing from that point of view point of view of the readers and uh, I think when we last spoke we were still sort of sitting and waiting and seeing if the, if the advertising community would jump on it and, and, and see because we have a season which starts right around this time of year uh, and I'm happy to say that so far so good the advertisers seem to be really excited about it as well and they're jumping on board as well so seems like we've uh, we've got this new direction to, to plow ahead in and uh, people are going to come along with us on the journey which will be exciting. That's great to hear and uh, certainly, it's great to see some of the new advances that you're going to have on the website. I know you have a lot planned for that. Uh, I'd like to thank you a lot for joining us today. Uh, just quickly here, who do you think is going to win the Cup this year? I, I, I say a repeat of last year's final, and this time the rest finally, finally, finally get it done. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. <laughs> I hope I'm right. <laughs> I, I'm sure everyone else uh, listening to the show does as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's high time. And that'll be quite an accomplishment, you know, a domestic double. That's not to be sniffed at. So if they can pull it off, it'll be really quite something. All right, well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Keep Sean. up thanks, the great Joey. work. So long, Michael. Bye-bye. Again, I'm Michael Jones, a publisher of Soccer New England, uh, SoccerNewEngland.com. Check out the new website. There's certainly a lot of changes going on there. Uh, I know a couple minutes left here. A couple seconds left here, I should say. Uh, Revolution game again taking place on Thursday. The Revs taking on the Chicago Fire. Uh, that game taking place at 7.30. Uh, definitely go out. i got to check out that one. It sounds like it's going to be great weather. Uh, what's your prediction? Oh, we're taking a win. And then the uh, MLS Cup final would be the next sat- next Sunday. Listen, uh, last year was Houston's. This year's ours. Sir, I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm getting my fingers and my toes crossed on all of that. Certainly hope so. Thanks again for joining us today. And again, you can get the art. The uh, archives of this show at revolutionrecap.com. We'll be back again next week. Fifty years of service to the Blackstone Valley. This is WNRI Woonsocket.